0: I'm Chris. and This is my wife, Brooke. She's going to share uh, real quick first.
1: Yeah, so I'm Brooke. Um, I work part-time uh, for our ministry, and I also homeschool our four children, two of which are out here. Those are our, our bigs, we call them, Zion and Celine. They are 13 and 12, and then we have two others that are in the kids. Uh, Lily is eight, and Carlina is six, so we're busy at home. <laughs> um, so, Uh, I'm devoted to seeing the students on our campuses um, be discipled and then disciple others um, so that we can fulfill the mission that we have of reconciling the universities and the marketplace and the world. Um, So Chris is going to share this morning. I'll be available. Um, I would love to join you guys in prayer if you have um, students on your heart that um, you just want to. You want to pray for us, so I would love to do that with you. Thank you so much for having us today.
0: Thanks, babe.): She's got a little crud going on so you can hear she's trying to grovel through it all. Um, so yeah, that's picture our fam. Uh, so my name's Chris. Um, I'm going to give a little tiny bit of history on myself.) Um, I typically don't preach on Veterans Day because it's a pretty emotional weekend for me. So I was a veteran, I did 12 years in the Air Force. Um, But previous to that, I was unchurched, right? I never went to church, nobody ever invited me to church. Um, My parents were in a loveless marriage, um, which eventually led me to um, using drugs, becoming the biggest drug dealer in Burnsville High School, Um, finishing up being a, I used to sell Schedule 1 narcotics during high school. Uh, I would have LSD in my pocket, typically around 1,000 tabs, and a tin foil in my pocket. Selling them for $3, we'd be, having, we'd be dropping acid in class. Um, my son thinks it's kind of funny. He's like, Dad, you did drugs? He's trying not to laugh right now. It's just kind of radical for him to think that I did. Um, and so the doses in my pocket literally carried the, the penalty of 40 years in prison and a million dollars in fines. And so at the end of my high school career, I, I was short one credit. And I was like, I actually prayed. No, no church experience, but right? So the imprint of God is still on our hearts, whether or not we want it to be there or not. It's still there. Conviction's still there. And I said, God, if you graduate me, I'll change my life. I'll quit drugs and I'll follow you. Um, and so he literally graduated me. One, I don't have time to tell the story, but it was a complete miracle. He graduated me with my class. I did not deserve to be graduated with my class. And so uh, I quit drugs after that. Six months, I went into the United States Air Force. And so I entered basic training in 93. I served as an Air Force uh, security police for 12 years. So my service spanned uh, the second Gulf War through September 11th into GWAT, the global war on terrorism. I got out uh, shortly after that. Um, but I have harder than usual days on Veterans Day. And sometimes it's, you know, the service to the country um, has deep and painful wounds for us. And so, and sometimes they only show up when we're being celebrated. It's so weird. This military mindset doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of civilians, but um, we're such minimalists. You know, we try to minimize everything. You know, like, there's a Scud missile coming to the base. They're like, but lunch is on it in five minutes. And then they're like, um, you know, there's an imminent attack, but you know, sleep eight hours right now, you know, in the tent over here. And so we have this great ability to minima- minimize things, which then doesn't allow us so often to connect with our feelings and things like that that kind of teach us how to not connect with our feelings. So we get really good at that. And so moments like Friday um, can bring up a lot of feelings. It can bring up a lot of difficulty and a lot of challenge. So if you know a uh, um, a veteran, and they don't really respond, you know, like, you know, you're like, thank you for your service, which is so great, and always do that. They don't always respond well, just, just accept that too. Accept that they're not, you know, all excited about it, they're thinking about people that they miss. Um, I wore a little pin, it's on my, um, <clears throat> on my name tag, it's just my units pin, I just wore it today, just because I typically don't preach on this weekend because I get a little emotional, but it's good for you, you know? We'll just be emotional together and I'll, I'll be able to not see you. It's like the, you know, the windshield is, is wet. So we'll just do windshield wet today. Um, and so I appreciate you guys recognizing uh, the church. And so um, because the U.S. military has provided peace and stability around the world and no one else has. And the only reason we have peace and stability around the world is because the U.S. soldier. So anyway, that was five minutes I didn't anticipate. But check, transition. <laughs> So we are um, the interim Chi Directors at St. Cloud State University, and we are also moving on to the national coaching team. Uh, They've asked us to be coaches of coaches. God started moving on our heart just about a year ago that there might be a change, and we we just wanted to wait on God and make sure and ensure that was Him, because a lot of times when you're a missionary, you're kind of on the front lines, and there's like, Attacks and you're like, God, is that really you? Like, you should quit your job and do other things. And you're like, nah, I'm pretty sure that's not God. But in February, I was praying a prayer, and I said, God, if, if you want Brooke and I to consider a new thing, you have to take our strategy away at, at St. Cloud State. And we got an email from St. Cloud State that says, interim directors are no longer welcome. And I was like, wow, I might as well just put my name in there. <laughs> um, so it was sad. It was a difficult moment for us. Um, St. Cloud is Definitely making some choices um, different than I would prefer them to make, but I am also not in charge of St. Cloud State. Um, and so we heard from God. And so the past two summers, uh, we have been assisting new missionaries. So Chi Alpha as a, a worldwide organization. We onboard 240 missionaries a year, new, brand new missionaries every spring because we challenge our students. We're like, give a year and pray about a lifetime. Right? So they've just been deeply impacted by a Chi Alpha director service in a year. And we say, would you just consider this? Consider giving a year and praying about a lifetime. And so many do, 240 typically. And so, yeah, hallelujah. And so, you know, for the past two summers, I've assisted them. And we've raised like half a million last summer and half a million this summer. And so they're like, well, you're kind of good at this. So maybe you should help us with other things, do more of that. So I said, okay. So we're actually onboarding, so we're still the interim directors of St. Cloud State, but we're actually transitioning uh, in this time to uh, being essentially the coach of coaches. We're going to raise up support raising coaches. Uh, We currently have 1,600 staff worldwide with Chi Alpha, and and on top of it, we onboard 240 brand new missionaries. And these are kids that um, have not raised a dollar typically in their life. So we have a lot to do, and we typically do it from the end of school to the start of school. So we have 12 weeks to help them raise $2,400 a month. So that's $200 a month if you, if you needed help with that. But after we get transitioned out, the goal is going to be to raise up 75 coaches for the Kyofunishin, and throughout the and throughout the country, we're going to help them identify and we're going to train them, develop, and then we're going to have a certification process to make sure that we have enough coaches. Right? It's kind of a big part of what we do. Um, and I, I think this dream is bigger than me. That's how you know it's a God dream. If it's going to outlast you. Um, then it's bigger, then it's a God-sized dream. So, I should I should share a little bit about what what is Chi Alpha. Oops, he put that picture up. That's okay. So, Chi Alpha, um, can you go the Chi Alpha one? Um, but we're Assembly God Ministers. And so, part of U.S. Missions, there's seven windows of U.S. Missions, and the window that we're in is Chi Alpha. Um, and Chi Alpha exists to, to disciple university students and missionaries to fulfill God's um, global mission for the world. It's a super simple. It's and so the scripture that we use is 2 Corinthians 5.20. It's where we said we are ambassadors of Christ as though we're making appeal through us. We beg of you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, right? We want to reconcile people to Christ. That's the goal. Um, so the great, the, there you go. This is the one. Thank you. Um, so how great is the need on our campus, right? We have 20 million students on our campuses right now. 20 million. Um, and this is the stat that keeps missionaries like me up at night. 24% of people find Christ after the age 24. So great job, church. Local churches are killing it. Most people find Christ before the age 24. But if most people that, when we think about it, most people that come to our campuses, we're their last opportunity. If they have not found Christ by the time they come to us, there's, the chances of them finding Christ is pretty low. And so it weighs heavy on us when people graduate and they don't know the Lord. Um, But that's why we're there, right? Because most of the people that would find Christ on the campus probably wouldn't shade the door of a church. But we're there and give them an opportunity. And we think we're the most strategic mission in the world, mostly because 195 countries, I mean, can you think of a place where 195 countries come to you and they speak your language? Besides the UN... There's no other place. They literally come to our campus speaking English. They can write and they can speak English. 195 countries. Um, One example is Sharif. This guy was a medical student. He was a devout Muslim. He came to the U.S. for exactly one semester for his entire medical degree from Pakistan. Pakistan, if you don't know, is a closed country. There are zero missionaries in any denomination in Pakistan. Zero. I mean, there might be some that kind of trickle over the border, but there are literally no missionaries in Pakistan. Sharif came to everything. Like we had small group. He was there. We did a large group service, worship service. He was there. We would do events. He was there. He would hang out with guys like every night. And so we planted the seeds of the gospel in him because he came to us and spoke our language. Um, And so he has a lot of seeds. I don't know if he, he found Christ, but... Literally, why St. Cloud? Why when I was there? Why Why God? Only God. Um, and so I like to share about Changed Lives. Um, I did blur the picture, partly because as a pastor, it's not always appropriate. Even if they give me permission, it's not appropriate. Um, I mean, I think some of you, if you'd like us to tell your life story, you probably wouldn't want your face up there. They'd be like, I know a guy, and they know like this. So that's why you see blurred pictures. So this couple, um, I'll just say a guy and a girl. They came to St. Cloud State and they were um, like friends and then they were dating all through high school and they were high high school sweethearts. Came to St. Cloud State and never met the Lord. And so they came and one of their friends invited them to our worship service because after Chi Alpha, we typically ended around nine o'clock, they would go play games with with this couple. And they're like, well, what are you doing before we play games? And they're like, well, we do this Chi Alpha thing where we, Jesus, worship, whatever, you want to Come. And so they invited them, and so, you know, it was funny, uh, uh, he was, the, the guy was on worship team doing rhythm guitar, and then the girl was like in the back of the amphitheater, and you can just like slowly see her kind of, every week she would like move, in, move up a row, you know, she's like, oh, it's not so scary. Okay, I'll move up a row. And then eventually she got connected to our small groups, and so we went to a big conference, and uh, I was up praying with students, there's a thousand students there, and you know, the, the, the minister was like, hey, it's not appropriate, you know, if you're having sex before marriage, you know, God has the moral laws and he has plans for your life and having sex before marriage isn't God's plan. And so they came down and they were just broken. They're like, pastor, we didn't know. They were just tears. They're just like, nobody ever told us that this wasn't okay. And so I said, Hey, I love you. That's repentance. Good job. And I said, but one of you should sleep on the couch because they asked me to marry him in six months. And I said, why don't you sleep on the couch for the next six months? I said, it's not a public thing. It doesn't have to be about you and me and everybody else. Like, move you to a different place. I said, just want you to sleep on the couch. And they did that. And so God changed their life. So they gave their life to Christ. They're small group leaders. They're in the world. And nobody's ever challenged them like that before. And so then I married them. Now they have two kids. I'll tell a little bit more of their story in a minute. Um, There's another picture. And it's a girl. Um, So we were having Chi Alpha in the Atwood we just do worship, and sometimes people will hear, and then they'll just come. And this girl, she came, and uh, she was in an abusive relationship, and uh, she literally just broke up with the guy she was engaged to just that day. And then just happened to be walking through Atwood, playing worship, and she's like, comes to the door, and she's like, "What are you? What are you doing in there?" And I was like, "Well." We're, we're just a campus organization. We just love Jesus. And I was like, who, who invited you here? And she's like, no one did. And I said, God invited you here. I said, come on in. Let me introduce your best friends for the rest of your life. Um, she just actually just got married like a week ago. And um, God totally changed her life. And she has all her best friends for her entire life that she met at Um, Because we were there. Right? Just like you, being here in Rice. like Just existing here gives people an opportunity to grow closer to Christ and, and to find him. So the next slide is reconciliation. So this down here, so the, the boy and the girl that I talked to, they literally have a small group in Monticello, and it's four other Chi Alpha alumni groups. It's like four other Chi Alpha alumni. So I, I was like, oh, you're moving to Monticello? Oh, you should call so-and-so. And, and so-and-so lives there, and so-and-so lives there, and you guys should get together and maybe do a, you know, a small group or whatever, because one of my big missions is I want, I want people to do small group into the nursing home. You know, wake up in the morning, put your depends on and get to small group, you know, play games or whatever. And it's okay if you wear depends. I will too someday. So it's fine. Um, but my mission is like, do, do, do small group into the nursing home all the way until you're dead and lead others to do the same. And so this couple up here, they got married. And then this is all guys that got saved in my basement. Anyway, Um, but they were reconciled because we were on the campus, because we gave them an opportunity. And these two represent hundreds and hundreds of students that have been reconciled over the past 12 years at St. Cloud. And the next one, so missionaries need to be coached. So that's part of what we did Literally, only three people that we coach, that that we minister to coming out of Chi Alpha go into full time ministry. 97% go into the marketplace. 97%. I'm going to talk about the 3% first because it's the smaller bit. This kid up here, his name's Sam, Um, he's one of the 3%. So it's from California. He attended my small group in my basement. He got saved in my basement. Got, got baptized up here at Long Prairie at Lake Beauty. He graduated four years as a teacher. And then he left here to go do the CMIT training, right? We, we said, you know, give a year, pray about a lifetime. He went and did a program for two years. Um, six weeks ago, he stayed in my basement because he's going to Russia. God's called him to the mission field. So something interesting about Sam is he's a sixth generation disciple out of our Kaiapha. Sixth generation. So I led Jared Nordstrom to the Lord. Jared led Jesse Molesky to the Lord. Jesse led Tanner Idsvog to the Lord. Tanner led Sam to the Lord. And now Sam is going to go to Russia and lead Soviet students to the Lord. All of those people that I, just shared, that I just shared their names, not one of them is a minister besides me. Right? These are just students that are going in the marketplace. Right? They're, not, they're not vocational pastors like Gene and I and Christy and Brooke. They're just regular people that are going into the marketplace and they're loving people like, like no one else has. And so how will people hear? And they'll hear, when? how will they call on them and whom they've not heard and whom they've not believed and how will they believe in him and whom they've not heard and how will they hear unless there's a preacher? Well, a preacher can be inter, interspersed with regular human too, right? Someone that shares the gospel. You don't have to be a credentialed minister. You don't have to have reverend in front of your name in order to preach the gospel. You just have to be a faithful discipler. Not a pastor, not a missionary, not a missionary coach. Because Matthew 28, 19 says this, go therefore and make disciples of the nations. This isn't say go therefore, pastors, ministers only, and make disciples. It says go therefore, right? And baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will always be with you to the end of the age. And so when I prayed For you, I was like, wait a second. The majority of you are the 97%. You are the 97%. There's only 3% represented in here. There's only only a couple of us. In our ministry, we train the 97% like we train the 3% until they become a credentialed minister. And then we train them a little different. But for us today, I want us to think about the person that brought us to faith. Who was that person? Were they always a pastor? Probably not. Who invited you to this church? Was it somebody you worked with? Was it someone that um, just loved Jesus? Because I love Hebrews thirteen seven. It says, remember those who led you and who spoke the word of God to you and considering the result of their way of life, imitate their faith. This is Paul, right? Paul just jams on the imitate your faith. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate your faith. Paul was widely known as the writer of Hebrews. But when I think back, how important is the disciples' lineage to you? When 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 I said those names, I knew all of those boys. I knew all of them. And look at Sam. But look at all those boys. Guess what? They're all still leading a small group into the nursing home. They're all doing that still. And they've done it every year since then. They've never stopped. That's, that's Jesus' math with the disciples. But to me, it means there's an unstoppable, unstoppable gospel, right? Jared's still leading a small group, and he's done it every single year for the last 12 years. If you heard my sermon last time, last time I was here at the school, I talked about that a little bit more, and I think it's probably up still up online because Gene saves everything forever. So, um, But what what... Who is that person that brought you to church and brought you to the faith? And if no one brought you, just like that girl, God brought you to faith. It's so special. I always ask. So here's my here's my encouragement to you. I, I just I'm a simple I'm a pretty simple missionary. I'm not really that fancy, um, but I just want to tell you a couple things and how I engage with with culture. My first question is, is Who invited you here? I bet every single one of you just thought about who invited you here. It's a pretty simple question, but it does, it provides me something that I need desperately, and it gives me a connection to their previous attendee, the person that came here before that I, I most likely know. I know everybody, right? That's the goal of a pastor. We're recruiters, right? And so I know who brought them on. Oh, so-and-so brought you. I love them. Are you in their small group? They came, you know, and so I have a connection with them. You can do all that stuff I just do when they say that. They'd be like, it was so-and-so. You'd be like, yeah. But I know who brought them. But I also know if nobody brought them. That's very helpful for me because If somebody walks into Chi Alpha and they don't know anybody, I'm like, God brought you here. What are the chances that you came here on your own? Not. No chance. God brought you here. I'm so glad to meet you. Let me introduce you to some of my friends. Right? So that's my first question. Super simple. My second question is, is what was your faith background or religious experience? Right so we're getting a, we're tapping into a little bit um, of their history of their church history. You can even ask that too is like what's your church history? And so what that gives me is a direct knowledge into their experience with God because you either get, "Oh, I hate, you know, I'm mad at church or I'm disconnected or I went to this kind but I don't go there anymore." I'm like, "Oh." So now I've just engaged their entire Cultural, religious experience in just one nanosecond. Part of what I'm doing right there is I'm connecting with them and asking and learning about their life because I care, right? If somebody's had been hurt by something at church, guess what? They're not going to really be down with me. i am am ai am a I'm a I'm a full-on Christ-centered gospel minister. Like, I check all the wrong boxes if you're if you're hating church, um, but I can still. But I still have an opportunity to reflect love to them too, right? And so I have an opportunity now. I am going to respond to them a little differently. Um, if they've come from other other kind of more or we'll say orthodox religions, we won't put any specific person in a box, um, but more orthodox systems, um, I can speak to that too. We had a young man, um, and this was radical to me. We had a young man come worship in the worship service, and then afterwards, I try to connect with everybody. I was like, bro, what? Tell me your tell me your church history. You know, just got. A, I got a couple minutes. He's like, nope. I was like, nope. <laughs> I was not really what I asked. I was like, what's your church history? Like, you go to church? Your lady, you, Jesus? He's like, nope. And I was like, you've never heard the name of Jesus? And he's like, nope. And I was like, dude, you're so lucky. This was the greatest first church experience ever. I was like, you are so lucky. This was the greatest day for you. And I don't, he wasn't really that, as jazzed as I was. Um, but my question offered me an opportunity to engage with him deep. I mean, the boy had come to college and never heard anything about church and Jesus. But what's funny is that Zach was me. I didn't have any church experience either. So I was like, oh, I've been a pastor since 07. Now I'm like, wow, that was totally me. I never, wow. Hi, Zach. Your name's Chris, but it's really Zach. And so Zach had a great experience. And he had a great opportunity. And so here's my challenge, church, as we close up, is um, someone led you in your faith. Somebody, somebody prayed for you to be here. Somebody did something. God prompted them. They followed through. They asked somebody some questions. And they invited somebody to church. Um, so first, remember them. I like to text people when I think of them that led me in the faith. Because it was the local church that saved my life. Um, after I got saved, um, the local church parented me. I was, I was, so it was great because I love them. I'm thinking of all of them right now. But there was like four families that had three boys. And so I was like the fourth boy. So they would bring me to Thanksgiving and they would rotate me around. But they would love on me because it was like, it was super easy because they already have four boys. So I was like, Mah, come over here, give me a hug. But they loved me, right? And what I found is that's kind of radical. Um, a lot of my friends, or not all my friends, but some people that I'm in relationship with going friendship with have had a completely different experience in church, um, which was radical to me. And I was like, the church saved my life. I am a, I'm a, I'm a decent, I'm a decent father, you know, because the church, the the, the dads and the moms and the church raised me. I was discipled by the pastor of the church. And then I became um, called and, and I responded to that call. But someone who led you, somebody did this for you. You're here for a reason. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody invited you to this church. Somebody invited you to their small group. Somebody invited you to something. And if no one did, then God alone did. And both of those are equally special. But you're the majority. You're the 97%. And the vision would be what if all of us were activated properly into ministry? What if we all just asked people two simple questions and invited them to be a part of what we were doing? You might be ministering to the next missionary to go overseas. There's a good chance Sam's going to lose his life, he doesn't think he's special. I think he's really cool, um, but he's just like all of us, right? They're pulling all the Americans out of Russia right now. Sam's going in December. But you never know. I led Jared Nordstrom, a nurse at the St. Cloud Hospital, to the Lord, and he led Jesse to the Lord. and he led Tanner to the Lord, Sam to the Lord. And, Sam, the Lord. and who's, who knows what Sam Who knows what Sam's going to do? but he's willing to give it all. But what about you? No? Who, as the 97%, who who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to connect with? And then who are they going to connect with? And who are they going to connect with? Because discipleship lineage should be something that's important to us in our lives. God has more people to reach and and there's just not enough of us 3%ers. We're just not that great. There's only three percent of us. It's kinda, like if you don't have a war, we're not your we're not your people. Like the ninety-seven percent, we would count on you to be able to do it. But god I believe God has more for you. And I, I just been feeling this in my heart. And I just want to pray for you today. Um, if piano guy wants to come up as we close, if that is that how you want to close, Pastor? Oh, okay. Can, can, I, can I pray for everybody and then invite Okay. Um, I just feel like um like God's got more for you and sometimes it's we're scared and we're like oh the pastor he's really good at this. You don't have to be really good at asking people two questions. Like do you just tell me about your church history? And if it's bad just be like I'm sorry. Come to my church. It doesn't suck like that. Check. It's like praying for people and realizing that they've maybe got hurt. You know, and there's a reason there's distance from God. Um but it's pretty simple. And these are people that we can work with because guess what? There's people around you that no missionary or pastor will ever get to in your job because God is you. You're the one. You're the one for them. You're the one to reach the person sitting next to you and whether it's love, but man, being concerned about their history too. And I think you're more capable than you know. I have degrees, I went to Berean, I'm in seminary, but that doesn't make it many, any easier for me to ask people two questions. <laughs> it's just two questions. And so I wanna pray for us because I think some of you need, Isaiah talks about there's some things that God needs to push out of the way in order for us to connect with people. I think that there's people you've been praying for and there's like a block. That's that's how I see it. I see like Isaiah talks about there's things that God has to move out of the way. And so that's my prayer. When, When I prayed for today, I was just like, God's like this. I need you to pray for some things to get moved out of the way so I can connect these people together.